Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We are in the, we're just at home, we've made a studio uh, up at a place called Kulkegi, which is near Lanark and Kaluk, which is not far from, from Wisha where we, where we live, so just outside Wisha. You say you've made a studio? We've made a studio with our bare hands. <laughs> we were struggling over the lockdown with a place to go and then we always wanted to make somewhere, so we've got a space and we just floored it and put a bathroom in and... Yeah, got everything set up to to make the album, so that's what we've been doing. Make the second record. Make the second record, man. Halfway through it. Nice. How long have you been in there? Um, but July, I think. But July, we, July, yeah. July, we come in and started doing stuff. So um, July, we were allowed out the house. So yeah, since July. Why July? Since we're allowed, aye, rules and lockdown, regulations, <laughs> and that you know. Have uh, has it had an impact upon your songwriting then? Kind of being in that new space and hammering away at the album in there. It's good. Um, we always wanted to create a space of our own that we can do that kind of thing. So we've been up here every day just writing and recording and putting down ideas. And yeah, it's just good to have a space of your own because we've always used somebody else's studio before. So yeah, it's really cool. I was going to start off by asking, Al, do you remember the first time that Stevie wrote a lyric that really resonated with you and that you really <laughs> related to? Of course he can Nah, Stevie doesn't really write the lyrics, it's usually me, so, I mean, nah, he's hopeless. Listen, (laughs) listen, we just listened to Donald Trump there, we always fake news, that's, that's that complete fake news and fabrication, that. Uh, Tell tell him a story about San Francisco, come on. Tell him about, we were, um, in the room in San Francisco. I've not been to San Francisco. 
Tell me story, go. No, basically, uh, Stevie wanted to give up music, and I said, listen. Then why give up music? When they give up, when they give up, band wasn't working out, when they give up, and I said to him, listen, you cannot be singing One Day I'll Be King and give up. And what happened? Next month we got a record deal. It's crazy. Man. How long ago was this? A few years back? Two... 2018. 2018, yeah. yeah. How come you were close to giving up music? I think we've been doing this for a long time. We're in a band for years. And then obviously we started St Phoenix. And we were in another band for, oh, for, for a long time. And it was tough. And if we knew how hard it would have been again, you know, you probably wouldn't have bothered because it's a lot of... People obviously see the good stuff that happens, but, mm. you know, there's maybe 10 times as much bad things happen in that space than good things. But, you know, obviously people just see the good things and it's dealing with all that. And it just messes with your head. I don't think we were. We, initially when we started out, we had a couple of songs and... We got offered a lot of record. We get offered three or four record deals by major record deals, and it was like, right, okay, this is what we want to do. And then our management said, I think it's probably a good idea that we don't take a record deal. And we're like, all right, why? Because that's all. When you're in a band, that's all you want to do is to sign a record deal. And he said, well, you're just you're just new. We're trying to figure out what the band actually is, and you know, there's a good, there's a high percentage that you get dropped. So why don't we just we just do it? we just build it ourselves, and that's what we decided to do, just build it ourselves, which was the right idea, but when you're doing, it's very hard to fund things and do things on your own, and we got to a level where we went to um, LA for a week, and then San Francisco, and the whole story about why I wanted to quit was we'd came so far, we'd been doing it for a couple of years, we'd like, did Ren and Leeds and supported Imagine Dragons, and everything was going amazing in that sense, but it wasn't really getting to where we wanted it to be, so we had a week out in LA and we played this big industry night called School Night. So like everybody plays that. Like Youngblood played that. He got signed. He he couldn't get signed and uh, nobody wanted to take him in the UK. So he went to America and played School Night and he got signed by Interscope out of playing School Night. And a lot of pressure on you. It's packed. All these industry people were there and we played and it was absolutely... We were terrible. It, we went terrible. It just it was like... It just wasn't wasn't great. Um, just the whole setting of it and we get really bummed out about it and then we went to San Francisco and we had no money we were watching Coachella on YouTube and going we want to be there but we're thinking this isn't going to happen this is, we don't know what's going to happen we've just we've no money to make new records we've no we didn't really have a fan base or anything else that's when I said I said I don't know if this is this is this is working anymore I'm just my head's fried with the whole thing and then that's what he said you know you can't write a song about one day you'll be king and then give up and yeah but we came home about four weeks later and we got offered a record deal so it just shows you you know you always got to just persevere and just hang in it's always darkest before it's dawn when you got offered that record deal did you already have dead man or how, how do you pronounce it do you do it dead man or do you do ddmn well ddmn is the name of the record but dead men's the actual song that inspired yeah. the name yeah i'd written dead men the year before 2017 I'd signed a publishing deal, a writer's deal, with an American publisher, and I went to LA, so our manager manages a guy called Sam Roman, who wrote uh, Some In Your Love with Louis Capaldi. So uh, it was the first time I'd ever been to America, and, uh, sorry, been to LA and did writing, and it was amazing, and we were staying in this big house, and uh, we were waiting on a, 
basically when you go, you, you just every day you just go in a session with someone and write a song, someone you've never met before. And Sam was going to a session with someone, I was going with someone else, and we're waiting on a taxi to take us there. And he, and he says, "Listen, let's just write a song." And I started playing the chords and started singing a melody, and then he started putting some lyrics together, and then that just became a song. And it's basically like fifteen minutes. We had wrote it, so it was just by chance we had wrote Dead Men. I think that's how special songs come about. It's not when you're expecting them, they just... Something comes and you just put it down. It's quite cool. Did you then build out the rest of the record out from that? Was that what you kind of had as your centre, focusing thematically and, you know, linking everything up? I think we'd been writing we'd been writing the concept of this record ever since we started the band. We just didn't know it. Like, songs like Mountains and the narrative was there and it didn't really hit us till halfway through writing or, or recording the songs that... Then we started to establish what the record would be built on and we half the record and two having a light side and dark side because all the songs we were writing we just made is like there was a, a big difference between them. Some were really dark and the production was really dark and then some was really light and the, the, the lyrics were really different. So that's when it came apparent. But yeah, Dead Men is sort of the song that started the whole thing off. Was that written about your dad as well? Yeah, Big Bertie Boy. Um, Papa Phoenix Papa Phoenix he <laughs> a lot of songs are inspired by a dad because he's been like the guy that tells you you can you can do anything you can believe anything you can work hard and you can follow your dreams kind of not be cheesy but that's how he's he's done it and we've watched him the whole song's about him putting his life on the line pretty much and his health and his everything he's got to try and build something for his family and it's basically the story of a working man how they'll do that to provide for their family that's what the song's based about what's the best piece of advice your dad's ever given you um shave that moustache off shave that Alan's going to moustache <laughs> he's not listening to my dad's uh, I don't know he, my dad's given us a lot of uh, a lot of advice a lot of it we can't really repeat <laughs> on camera <laughs> I think the the whole thing is all about we've always been immersed in positivity, always been immersed in, um, you know, believing in yourself, and, and certainly the big the the big word for us is perseverance and just keep going. Dad's always told us that if you can put up with the 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 shit and the the hard days, then the good the good days come uh, eventually. You've just got to wait for that window of opportunity, and I think that's what he's going back to that story that's what it's all about if you can if you can deal with the lows then the highs will come and that's what basically life is just managing the shit so that the good when the good comes you enjoy it you know when you're speaking about experiences like that one in san francisco when you have things like that happen to you in those moments of being you know in that low place does that make it easier to deal with deal with the lows that come following that definitely i think it it shapes you as who you are we've had I think you get taught about how to deal with failure and learn from it and, and yeah. the mistakes you make. Um, as I said, we've been hit, even certainly this year, we we spent you know three years building this band up to try and get it to a level and then last year we had an amazing year. To build on that year, we had a headline tour sold out at the start of the year and then coronavirus comes and just takes it all away from you. So yeah. we had like festivals and tour supports and tours all... Um, all taken away but the only thing you can do after that is regroup and go again that's why we built the studio and we're, we're back in working um yeah but i think it is important to getting hit and you know getting knocked off your feet is a part of learning and a part of growing um and it definitely helps you you know 
been stronger as um, you know as as it goes. With this new material that you've been working on in that studio, is is that kind of incorporating some of that experience into it? Or this kind of year and dealing with that hardship and again having to try and get through this this difficult period. Yeah, um, can't give too, too many secrets, but this this album's definitely different. The material's way different. We want to go back to writing sort of albums of of you know with, with a meaning, and the the new album is all about offering people escapism from you know, what's going on in the world with coronavirus, or if it's, you know, Donald Trump in America and all that shit with it, you know, we, we want to try and create a, some, you know, a world for, for people just to get immersed in and, um, yeah, and just use their imagination and, and just, you know, enjoy themselves rather than deal with other factors that's going on in real life. I mean, that's something you've kind of done before as well. Like, if you look at the videos that you put out for that first record, and the kind of thrilling narrative of that and that world building that you did there for Dead Men. Yeah, for the the first record with the four videos. I'm trying to think. Is it Nunchuck? Um, yeah, yeah. It's Dead Men, Death of Me, Nunchuck, and Sorry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> We're just laughing about the videos because it was an experience and a half making those videos. Yeah, it was uh, a funny, funny thing that happened because everything that went wrong went wrong, and we still managed to pull it off. Yeah. But I guess that was the whole thing. It was, as you said, it was creating something different, a, a world. I think that's what we've learned, especially going into a young blood, is people, people attach themselves to that and, and they want that. They want to know everything that's in your brain. And the more that you can create for them, you know, the bigger it goes. So that's definitely something that we've learned for the positive moving into the second record, um, is to try and... You know, create something as with much as much substance and as much storytelling and details we can for for people to to get into. So, how does that work? Do you have ideas and themes in your mind that you're thinking this is something we kind of want to interweave and explore throughout the songs, and then the songs kind of form as a result of that? Or do you have tracks that you kind of pick from and see parallels in, and then kind of construct it from there? I don't know. It's kind of different because Alan will just come up with something crazy. What happens is I have an idea. I tell Alan about it, right? No. And then Alan comes, this is what happens to Stevie. This, I know what you're going to say. <laughs> I come up with the idea, right? And I'll tell Stevie when he's looking at his phone. And then about 10 minutes later, he'll, he'll say to me, that's an amazing idea. And I'll go, I just said that to you 10 minutes ago. But you're looking at your phone. Dumbass. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's not what happens. If you, if you want to know the real story... That's what happens. You know, it's not... That, that didn't happen at all. But See? Alan does come away with some good stuff sometimes that I give him I'll give him credit for that, but most of the time it's it's the biggest load of nonsense you'll ever you'll ever hear. So it's ha- the dealing with that is you have to filter out the nonsense to get the good bits with Alan. That's 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 how that's a task in itself. But um it's one that a challenge that I'm relishing. But in terms of the, the album it was like yeah, the concept the concept came first and we thought we should do this. Yeah. Um, we should do this and make this huge and then once you get that narrative and what it could be you start putting visuals together and you, you know song titles and, and lyrics and then sounds and then it all just becomes this thing that snowballs and that's what's kind of happened how do you ensure it like stays cohesive throughout and it does have that thing where it can all matches up and all feels like a whole in a real world what are you kind of holding on to and how do you keep that perspective to know that it fits and it all works together? Like when you're sitting there about the visuals and the music and the kind of soundscape of it. Well, what we 
you know, collectively and individually, you have to get an idea of what you want to do. So, for instance, we've, you know, created a theme, a name uh, uh, for the album, a world. Yeah. You know, the the live aspect, we're thinking about that. We're thinking about, we've actually, you know, we've even made characters up for uh, on stage. Then it all just transcends and just grows. Um, I think your subconscious has a lot to do with it though. Sometimes you you write lyrics or whatever and it you don't think it's going to match up or be part of the idea. And then you like 10 minutes later, you go, I've, I've thought about that like two weeks ago and it's managed to creep into this song or, and it just somehow manages to tie into the idea or the theme or, um, or even the song lyrics, whatever, it all ties in. And subconsciously we're thinking about that all the time. It's just a weird, it's a weird combo how it manages just to knit in together. Yeah, I think it was, it was something like you said that's percolating through your mind all the time. It's kind of developing without you realising it. Yeah. Yep, definitely. What kind of themes are you thinking about exploring on this uh, second record? Can't tell you, Can't. honestly. <laughs> definitely different. Nobody else is doing what we're thinking. It's very exciting. It's going to be a case of us doing something different from our, for ourselves in terms of maybe going out of comfort zone, but... We feel that you've got to do that. Is if you're doing, if you've been any true artist, you've got to try and explore that. I think we want to move on from the first album, uh, learn from all the stuff that we've experienced last year, get influenced and inspired by people we worked with last year, especially working with Youngblood. You know, we want to sort of emulate what he has with his fans and 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 do that ourselves. We were we were lucky enough to see Twenty One Pilots last year from the side of the stage when we were a young bud and you know they are they are someone we definitely aspire to be in terms of their live show and I think the, the beauty about 21 Pilots is you know the manager of the label I think the manager will say to the label let Tyler Joseph do whatever he wants just yeah. just back him just let him do whatever he wants and if he wants you know a, a massive video screen with something on I want you know, let him do it because that's that's you've got to, his vision is so important to the fans and they'll grasp onto that and you've got his back him when you see that come together it shows you the power of having a vision and having something in your head that people can relate to and and, and uh, grab with both hands so we've taken that into account before we've started the album and that's helping us build um you know what we want to to showcase for everybody for album two I mean, when it comes to the first record, a lot of that is, you know, kind of looking at tackling fears and like your inner demons and stuff and kind of approaching that and discussing it in the music. Did you kind of, did you, didn't you have to write that record first because it's so personal, intensely personal to then get to the, the second one that you're saying where you're going to build this world? Yeah, I think regardless of what, we're, you know, every song that we've ever done, it's about a personal experience. The first album was basically a story of how the band started and, and the journey that it took. Every song is is a, a moment in time that we've experienced since we've been together at St Phoenix. Album 2 will pretty much be the same sort of principle of writing personal experiences but in a universal way. We're just going to showcase it in a completely different way in terms of the concept that, yeah. um, and the world we create. That first record as well, and like we were saying there about the fears that you were tackling in it, were there any fears that you kind of overcame through your music and through working through them in songs? I don't think you ever. I think the the self-doubt cripples yeah. you. It really is a... 
it really is a horrible thing because when you're writing a song you have an idea and go that's that's amazing and then 10 minutes later you put it down when it's alright actually and then an hour later you hate it and then you start to like it and then you hate it and then you always relate back to the first time the idea came and you get excited about it but it's trying to deal with that to write songs and stay in love with them f- through the whole process because you have to write them then you, yeah. you you record them then you produce them then you mix them you master them then you play them live and to stay in love with those songs it's hard sometimes you need to take a break and then you go back and you appreciate it I guess the fear of no one liking it is uh, yeah. is a big fear you just hope that people get on board with you and what you're trying to do Um you know, people want to get number one records and do this and do that. We just want to do this. We just want to do this for a living. Thank God that we can, we've done that and we're managing to do that. We just want to make music and to pay the bills mm-hmm. and take it as far as it, far as it goes. So I think the fear of, um, certainly with uncertainty, with the music industry, the fear of maybe not being able to do that is something that keeps driving you forward to make sure it's you know it's getting the best out of you. I mean, I think it creates a vulnerability though that people can kind of resonate with in the music. Like if you look at something like Death of Me, you know, you've got all this kind of massive production and this kind of stadium ready soundscape, but at the heart of it is your vocal performance, which is kind of really impressive in its kind of range of it. And like I say, the, you know, the vulnerability of it, you can really hear that shining through. And part of that could be because th- that fear kind of bleeds into it. No, that, that that's a good point And I appreciate the, the comments in that. And I think that anytime we sing something, it's, it's done with, or I sing something, it's done with honesty and and it's a real experience. Um, Death to me was was about that fear. It was about that. Um, that was you know, literally the full process there because we hated it. Yeah, we, hated we loved it. it. Then we hated it. Yeah, and we absolutely hated it. And then Stevie ended up in hospital. Yeah, recording it. I ended up making myself sick and ended up in hospital because, uh, <laughs> you know, music is is all about your mentality because. <laughs> It, it messes with your brain man it, it's, it pulls you up and down squeezes you and you know does a suplex through a table and then it'll it, all that kind of thing the emotions are crazy and it and um, you know it, it makes you not sleep at night and it makes you makes you paranoid and anxious but it makes you fall in love and makes you uh, uplifts you it invigorates you and emotes you that, you know it gives this whole thing that song was was definitely a song that was everything you described there about the emotion of it um, was in the vocal because it was a a process making that song put it that way at what point was that vocal recorded then had you kind of gone through that process of making yourself sick from recording it when the uh, was the vocal done after that or Uh, the vocal was done after because we were doing guide vocals and doing other bits and bobs to try and make it happen and yeah we actually went to Chicago to do a, a a TV stadium performance thing, and I remember on the trip I wasn't well. We were having a great time, but I wasn't well on the trip. And then I come back, and then that's when I we sort of we we did the finishing touches to it. That track is all about making music because it will be the death of you. You 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 do it to you know. That's what as uh, Bukowski says, you know, find something you love and make it kill you and let it kill you and that's what that is it's funny you mention him I just read one of his books or finished one of his books last night yes that's basically that's what that song is based it's, it's on that quote are you into quite a lot of his stuff do you look at kind of literature and stuff no. not not really I just um, dabble in it but that was something that I saw uh, and, I, and I read up on his life and, and what it was all about and I think that 
it just resonated with me and I was like especially if you're an artist or a, or a creative um, you're basically de- you're, you are letting people you're, you're dealing with emotion and you're letting people um, buy into to your emotion and that's a really personal and hard thing to do and I think that's the only reason how other human beings relate to that or resonate with that is because it's real and it is um, because it's all that universal feeling that we've got and I saw that quote and I thought man that's what music is it literally erodes your soul it provides so much and, it, and it's an amazing thing it's like we couldn't do anything else. I couldn't figure out anything else I'd want to do in life but it's not good for you at the same time it isn't good for you because it, it I mean, obviously there's, there's major, major pay ups for it but um, when you're certainly writing music and recording music yeah it, it can be a a dark and lonely place. How does your mental state then compare, you know, at the start of working on that record to the end? Well, the, the good thing is, I think going back to what, going back to what you were saying about my dad, about being positive and having that frame of mind, we have, we've been dealt with a lot of ups and downs and, and that helps you, you know, navigate the stormy seas that, that you go through. But um, being brothers, humour is a massive part of our background and our makeup and that's how we deal with it, just humour brutal honest humour I feel like that's quite a Scottish trait as well Scottish trait as you can see I mean we're all about humour that's why Alan's sporting this moustache you know <laughs> it's all about the laughs you know we, we can we can uh, talk about the 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 deep lows of music but then Alan can smell with that moustache and we're right back to the start we're all good you know how does that work then kind of getting that humour and your personality across in the music when it comes to something like this music that you've been working on where you're building a world and you're speaking about you know building these characters do you have to do it in a different way? I don't know. I mean, it's the same as... It's like when... Like, Louis Capaldi, he is... When you hear his voice, it's, like, so emotional and his songs yeah. are so emotional and then you talk to him, you're like, did that guy sing that song? That guy's not the same guy. Yeah. It's just... Listen, that's the way it is. Um, you can still have a talent and an art and be passionate and but then still have a personality to that people can fall in love with and that's what Louis does and I think that's we we base that on our, our band as a family we want you know it's, it's two brothers um, yeah. we want that to you know to show in terms of our fan base you know it's all about family we want to create a family we want to create a safe space for everybody and, and humour is a big part of family life and that's why we we get on with our day to day life and keep each other smiling it's just by by having a laugh yeah I mean, it's kind of, if you look again, if we come back to the videos, you have those serious videos with the kind of cinematic quality to them, but you also have, what's the one where you're cutting out? Is it Shake, you know, where you're cutting about in LA? Yeah. (laughs) And it kind of just, it shows the two different sides to the band quite well. We just ran out of money. That was the reason. That was the reason. (laughs) You know, you you, you blow your budget going to Iceland, uh, creating spaceships, and then you need to make a video and go, right, with no money, we'll just, right, okay, we'll we'll just walk down LA, Hollywood with a camera and just, jump about in scooters for five dollars so that was the only reason for that you know what i mean nothing else budget wait so did you go to iceland you just said there for the, the yeah. other one yeah so is that with that shot man man you could Crazy. do you could do a podcast in the first video another yeah, podcast you could so basically what happened was to cut a long story short we had planned this got to the airport and the director said i'm not going I mean, what do you mean you're not going? Now, I've got two actors there who I've 
never met. I've got assistant director who I've never met. I've got a special effects guy I've never met. And I'm going, what do you mean you're not going to... Um, and he was ill. He was ill. Yeah. And he, um, he'd been to the doctors. I can't, I can't go anywhere. I, I, I'm so sorry. So I was like, what do you want me to do? I've got all this. We've got the budget. We've got everything together. And now you're saying you can't go. No, by the way, nobody knows this story. I'm just telling you, this is an exclusive. Yeah. So, um, what do you mean you can't go? So anyway, we had to, I'm screaming at this guy in the middle of Glasgow Airport. Yeah. These two actors are looking at me going, we're not going with this guy. This guy's screaming. This guy's mental. He's... Anyway, cut a long story short. We f- took off and he said, it's okay. The assistant for the director's going, he'll shoot it. He's went to film school. I was like, all right. So got on the plane, flight to Iceland, touched down, got off the plane. I says to the assistant director, I'm really, really sorry. I'm really, really sorry for shouting there. Um, Stuart the director's told me you went to film school and you can do this he said no no I'm a wedding photographer I don't know anything about directing oh my god <laughs> so alright okay great fucking brilliant man let's go <laughs> then we get down to the baggage claim we had spacesuits. we had all that special effects gear and big crates we get to the baggage reclaim and we just see all our stuff spread over the floor all the crates had smashed yeah. All the special effects stuff was everywhere. We're like, this is great, man. So then I looked at Alan and went, what the fuck are we going to do? We just, and Alan's like, I don't know. So let's just go for it. So we had two cars with all the crew. Alan had to go and pick up bikes, right? Yeah. Actually cycling bikes because we had to get, we won't get 24 hours to shoot this. So Alan has to go to get bikes because it was the, the scene with the abandoned plane it's five miles from the car park, so we thought yeah. we'll go on bike with we'll two the two bikes. There's there's six Disaster, of us. Man. We'll get two bikes. Anyway, he goes that way, I go the other way. Travel all the way to a place called I can't remember what it's called, but we got to see the Northern Lights. It was beautiful. It was fantastic. Then we wake up at seven o'clock in the morning. Assistant director and the special effects guy are in the same room. I chat the door. Open up the door. Assistant director is falling asleep with a how to use a drone like the, the drones how to use drones manual manual falling asleep in that and the special effects guy is spray painting the space suits so we've realised now that he's been up all night spray painting these suits oh my god oh it was mental anyway I've got leather trousers on then we wake up we travel another two hours to this glacier I get up there we got we drive up to this glacier I've got leather trousers on a leather jacket it's freezing hmm Drum kit. Next, we've got a drum kit. Next right. minute, this this bus pulls up and these guys got off with North Face jackets, goggles, ice axes, spikes in their shoe. This guy's looking at me going, hey man, where are you going? I said, I'm going up the glacier. He's like, you're not going dressed like that, man. I said, I am. So I'm st- we start walking up this glacier. I've got two inch, three inch, thick heat, um, shoes on with leather trousers and chains he's carrying the drum kit and we're singing in the middle and I'm going this is fucking mental anyway as we're doing it we're getting to see what's happening what he's what uh, Alex the camera um, the, the, the assistant photographer's uh, assistant director's getting and it's actually looking good yeah although he crashed the drone but then <laughs> so the actress Stephanie 
she was unbelievable. She's professional. She's like being on massive video shoots yeah. with producers, assistant producers, runners, and all the rest of it. She's like, what the fuck is going on? This yeah. is just mental. Anyway, we managed to direct it ourselves. All the stuff with Stephanie through the place and everything else, we managed to see what was going on, directed it all, yeah. got it all sorted. With 24 hours, we started to get stuff for like, right, we're almost done. And then we got to the scene with the plane crash. As I said, we get to the car park. We've got five miles to walk before we can get to this. So he gets the bikes. So we thought we'll get the assistant director and the actress on the bikes. They can yeah. just go because it's going to get dark. Once it's dark, we can't shoot. So Alex gets on this bike, <laughs> puts on this backpack with a camera on it, starts to cycle, doesn't realise doesn't realise it's volcanic ash. The bike, the first, the, the front wheel sinks, and Alex goes over the handlebars, hits his head off a rock everywhere, and he's uh, Alex is going fucking hell. What's going on here? This is a this is a disaster. I'm running after them. He gets back in the bike. He's running. I, I run four miles with um, a tripod, special effects stuff, oh. water. I'm running fast as I can for four miles. We get there. And there's tourists everywhere. Yeah. There's tourists all over this plane wreck, right? Everywhere. And it's getting dark. So I just jump on and go, listen, guys, we're shooting a Maroon 5 video. Everybody off this. And everybody just gets off, just moves. And we just get the scenes that we need perfectly, perfectly, perfectly. Um, And then we managed to get it. And then as soon as we put off the camera, we need to walk five miles back to the car. Just the rain, snow just starts to hit us. As if someone hit a, a light switch and all the lights went off and there was just this kind of little star that yeah, was the, the car park. Car park light. That was it for five miles, man. Oh, oh, so then we get back to the car. He has to take these bikes back. He shoots off. Three hour drive. Three hour drive. He shoots off. He's away. I'm getting all the actors. Right, guys, we're all done. Driving back. Next minute, I'm driving. Half an hour down the road, I can see this police lights in this wee dark country. I was like, what's going on here? Driving up. As soon as I get up, who is it? He's pulled him over for speeding. Yeah. 600 quid fine. Unbelievable. Right? I'm like, unbelievable. After that, we managed to get back, get everybody in, all sorted, back home. Luckily enough, we shot the, the live scene with me and Alan. We, we went to Glencoe to get the, the last couple of bits for that uh, and we got some added bits um, for the story but that is um, an uncut live uh, truthful story of we never we never told them to that because Stuart the director who, who to be fair he edited it and did a lot of filming he, he did all the death of me stuff and all the other stuff he was amazing we kept that quiet um, but you know time's passed and it's too funny not to tell and <laughs> I think but going back, it made us proud that you know, we can do that. We can, you know, w- what we can accomplish. It, it was pretty pretty amazing uh, how it turned out. And that's another reason to think that after a bit, we thought we can do anything. You know, yeah. you bring it on. If, if something goes wrong, we can do it. Um, it gives you confidence, you know, moving on. Anyway, that was a big, that was a big story. That's like that. <laughs> Does that encourage you to take more risks as well then? Like if you've kind of got that confidence, then you know that you can kind of get through anything. Definitely. Yeah. Well, that's... 100% because in the next video Alan wore a thong <laughs> so he was he decided that, to go crazy and take the makes, risk it, it makes this 
some people's like big, like, oh, this is a big thing, a, a shit thing's happening. It makes those kind of big things to other people as a big thing that's a shit thing that happens to them. It makes it seem very, very small. Yeah, it's minuscule. So it's like, ah, it's fine, man, just go on it, it'll all work out, it's fine. We don't get phased about anything really or, or, or hung up about anything. It's just like, you know, just, just get it done. Do you get used to that as well with having been in a band before? Like when you've kind of gone through a lot of that? I mean, the music industry and going to gigs and stuff, it's always just a bit of a all over the place, isn't it? There's always something goes wrong. Oh, well, we were, we went to a young blood. He was playing a festival in Kentucky. Louisville, Louisville Kentucky. And we were driving a tour bus and then at seven in the morning, the, the tour bus just blew up. The transmission just blew up. And it was like um, he wasn't going to get there. They were all scrambling and um, they couldn't get there and they didn't have any drivers. And me and I were like, we'll drive. It was fine. And the two of them were like, you, you guys can't drive. It's like, well, we'll do it. It's no bother. It doesn't bother me. We're not doing anything. It's, we're happy to help. You guys need to be there. And it's just driving. And I think that's the, the whole thing. It's like, whatever happens, man, just try and make it work. Just try and, you know, help and, and be positive and try and get, you know, it's not not over till it's over kind of thing. That's that's the the kind of mentality we try to try to keep. What was the biggest challenge you came up against when it came to like the songwriting and the production of the record? Like when you were in the studio and kind of working on it. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard. I think dealing with other opinions is is probably the toughest mm-hmm. thing because you've got a vision in your head. You've got I might think something different from Alan. I might think something different from the producer. He might think something different for us. So and then obviously you show to management and you're shown to to other people and you get their critique so that's challenging in itself also trying to satisfy but also trying to satisfy yourself and trying to get a buzz out of what you're creating at the end goal yeah that's the that's the most important thing that's the hardest thing and as the goal is like you want people to like it. you want you know potential labels or or management you want all those people to like it but at the end of the day you've got to love it and if you don't love it there's no point in doing it yeah for sure I wanted to just come back to the video once more. I know that one is. So when was that one shot out of the four? The first one was shot in November 2018. October. October 2018. And Dead Men was the first one that was shot in Iceland. Yeah. So Dead, Dead Men was shot in Iceland and then we come back and did the fine. We did Death of Me the next day in Scotland. But de- so Dead Men's like the second one, like in the, the story of it, is it? No, Death de- Me's first de- and de- then de- Dead Men's the first and then Death. Well, they kind of sort of. The, the two of them go hand in hand. Yeah, but Dead Men was first, and then Death, Death of Me, and then uh, Nunchuck, and then Sorry. Yeah, there's obviously kind of a lot riding on that with the way that the whole thing kind of interweaves with each other, the way that all the videos kind of take it, and they're they're you know they're telling the same story. Yeah. So did, had you developed the whole story before you were going to shoot this in Iceland? Did you have all that laid down? Yeah, we had storyboards. Um, a producer Ross has a friend called George who does. Oh man, he's just he's awesome. He does like makes caricatures. He does props. He does. Um, storyboards and yeah. and we had the vision with the director Stuart um, of Stuart sort of came up with the concept of it because we, we obviously said what the album's going to be with the astronauts and the skulls and he came up with the story and we wanted to do the that's why we went to Iceland to have the opposites with the dark sand and then the white snow and um, just building things like that um, and when we we spoke to George about the the idea he put together storyboards which was really helpful and we had this. That's when we had. The, that's why the video was such a success. Even though that we had a problem with Stuart coming to Iceland, we had the storyboards with us, so we could say, right, that scene needs to be like that. That needs to, you know, George drew it all out. Yeah. Um, and that was a big thing. 
um, you know, helping us out. How did those videos link up and kind of relate to the music for you? Was it more just emotionally? That they kind of that there was the crossover. Why why was that story, the one that you felt that should be told, kind of in tandem with the music? Um, we want to create. We always want to create something cinematic and big. Yeah, I think that's the main goal. And if you're going to do it, you have to have a good storyline. And I think it just correlated with with the album. What we're trying to say it's all about opposites. Yeah. Um, you know everything. If you look back at the the album, and if you look back at the the um, that's basically what it is. It's two sides in each video, and that correlates to the dark side and the light side of the album. So there was a, a linear thread through all of that that um, we were sort of you know making sure that um, that came across and going into detail through the songs, through the artwork, through the 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 videos. Um, that the light and dark element was there. Yeah, you, you see each side. You see each person's side of the story. Yeah, that, that that's basically what it is. Yeah. How? I mean, for the the light and dark of the album, which kind of comes more naturally to you as a songwriter? Eh, uh, well, I don't. That's a good question. Great, great question. Man. Um, I don't know. I mean, we like playing the darker songs live yeah. because it's just feels good. I think the fans like the darker element songs. They. You know the the lighter element songs have probably come natural as like a you know, I, I love pop music so that's sometimes which comes naturally when you're writing a song. Yeah. So that's that's why we we decided to make that album that you know in two sides because we were coming up with all this stuff and it wasn't like there was no in between it was like there was dark stuff and there was light stuff and that was obviously a challenge trying to make that yeah, come fair. together in an album. Yeah, it feels like it kind of entwines though, like it kind of goes back and forth throughout. Like it's not it's not divided in the middle. It's kind of you kind of have one from each. Don't you? Yeah, it's yeah, not definitely. divided straight in the middle. Definitely, but that was kind of challenging. But you know that's why we're kind of we're kind of proud of how it turned out. Violence and death are you know they're a pretty prominent kind of motif running along. You know the kind of the core and the spine of the album. Have you ever been in a fight? What was the last fight you were in? Oh, too many to mention. Mad dog, they call me. <laughs> God, <laughs> Um, no, I think the violence, it's all about brotherhood, it's yeah. all about the violence and the um, the sort of level you get to being brothers and having scuffles and fights and all the rest of it. In terms of, you know, we love, I'm, not, I'm a lover, I'm not a fighter. Uh, I know that I look, I look badass, but you know, don't let this demeanour fool you. But I think that's, it's all about what I guess life's all about there's you know, the unpleasantness of it. That's where the the, the dark yeah. side was. It was with the violence and you know the death. Um, I think that's the kind of stuff. The, the the darker side is the stuff that goes on in, in your in our heads, like narcissistic focused on doing the band, and then the light side is all about you know personal relationships, family. Um, so that's the kind of like although you've got a sacrifice to make um, to do music, you kind of you. In your head, and the, the demons are saying you need to go and do this, but the angels are saying, "Oh, you, you've got your, um, you get a family to look after, or whatever, relate personal relationships." That's the kind of split. It's the kind of like the the brain split. Yeah. Of light and dark. Do you ever struggle with that balance between the kind of obviously music's like such an obsession and such a massive part of your life? Do you, do you struggle balancing that out with the kind of personal life? Yeah, I mean, it's it's, it's challenging. Um, it's all about managing that, and you know, yeah. the, the whole album is about life it's about balance that's why it's the dark and the light side you have to balance that it's the same with anything if you look at the the world just now it's completely polarized and opposite and the answer to that is too much of anything is a bad thing so you've got to have a, a you've got to have something to counterbalance it of meeting the middle 
and that's what the whole album is. It's about finding yourself and who you are, and it's, it's taking the dark side and the light side of that, and and finding out who you are. And that and that, that basically the same um, is when you're doing music. You know, you have to have that balance. You have to um, make sure that you know your your professional and artist career is getting hundred percent. But you also got to make sure your your family life is getting hundred percent as well. It's, it's the balance is the key word. It's interesting what you're saying there as well about you know it kind of being part of finding out who you are how important is your understanding of yourself to the music you make like if you have a better understanding of yourself which maybe you've maybe come to with time how has that impacted your songwriting and what you've been creating well again that's one of the, the key elements of the, the album and the song called mountains and that's why mountains features prominently on the album cover and it's the song that's stripped back when we play live because we just want to hear people with guitar and vocal um the host the lyrics are I go to the mountains in my soul looking for uh, an angel but these demons take control. The whole album is a journey and of your life and you go you, you search for yourself through highs and lows. And that's one thing that, you know, our dad's always said to, you know, find out who you are and own it and just be that person. And I think that's what we try to tell our fans and try to to for ourselves is find out who you are and be comfortable with that and you know get on with it and and be positive and 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 hopefully let other people find out them who that who their self is as well that's that's the whole message when did that happen for you when did you kind of get a hold of who you were i don't know i guess this, this making the album was was definitely a, a process that, that helped us i think initially with the band we didn't really know who we were as you know yeah. visually and what we looked like and what we wanted to be. We didn't have a real concept with that. Uh, one of the first parts was the uh, producer Ross saying, "You guys, you have to have a linear thread. And you have to it's in there somewhere. You have to find out what that is." And, we, and then to come back the next day, and we had the black, the, the dark and light side. We had the skulls, the ash. We had everything, and it just came to us like that. And it was him that said, "You have to have that as your foundation." Mm-hmm. And then I think playing live we the first show we played with Youngblood we thought we did well and then he played after so oh fuck man we got Mel's to go he's just awesome so we need to get our finger at our ass and through that we started to build getting the kit wrapped getting the guitars black and white getting the jackets with the writing on them getting um, and then it, it it created something and then we thought okay this is what St Phoenix is the album the visuals, the the artwork, the live performance, the everything. This is what it is now. So I guess, mm-hmm. I guess making the album was step the first part, and then playing live with someone so great and young boy, and, and playing so many shows, we got to find who we are as, you know, as artists and 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 performers. It's fascinating what you're saying there as well about how Ross said to you that you kind of needed to go away and find that, and then the next day it kind of just all fell into place. Yeah. It maybe it maybe ties back into what you were saying earlier, Al, about how you're kind of just thinking about everything subconsciously all the time, Constant, and all you needed see, to do was kind of yeah. See about the year before we we played Red and Leeds, and we played Sport Imagine Dragons, and I'm got a white drum kit and I'm wearing a white hoodie, and Stevie's wearing a black hoodie, and it was the exact just the opposite colours. So I think we're wearing night tracks. It's like losers, man, and um. All that stuff and was drawing stuff like skulls and we've been drawing stuff like that for ages and then it just managed all just to like we've been we've been actually doing this for the last two years we just hadn't realised 
So that's why it came so quick. Was that the same with this new record that we've been speaking about a little bit that you've been working on recently? Was that a similar thing where you kind of went in and you realised that a lot of these things had kind of been perpetuating around your head for a wee while? Um, maybe when we were younger. Yeah. Maybe when we were younger, I think, I, I guess I, what you experience and um, what excites you um, that, that may have come into play, I think that we just wanted to do something different. And I guess the concept of it was what's happening in the world just now. We thought it was um, one big sort of one big show, and um, we wanted to. We it just came to us and clicked, um, yeah. and that's how we we came up with the idea. Where do DDMN one point two and one point one fit into this? Are they kind of bridging the gap, or were they just singles that didn't quite make it onto the first record? They were just singles that didn't yeah. didn't make it quite onto the to the record. Um, one thing we don't like is having music going to waste and having songs that we like just sitting there so that was the whole purpose of that i think that they are they were all created and recorded in the same period we did with ddmn but they didn't they didn't belong on the, the the final album because we wanted to tell a story in a certain way and have yeah. a certain amount of songs on it and it just made it perfect the way that it laid out but and then again once we released that we thought right okay well, we want to give the fans something more that um, that we'd built on some other stories that we maybe told that aren't on the album and, and, and released them. So that was the whole purpose of that. Did they, so they didn't fit into the album in terms of like thematically, you thought they were maybe just going a wee bit off to the side of what the main themes were? Yeah, the I, I get, kind of yeah, I guess so. I think there's um, every song tells a story, every song leads on to the next song and that does it in a perfect way that we've, we've picked them. And I think that adding any other songs onto them may have taken that off course yeah. so that was the whole idea how many songs did you initially write for the record was it kind of a broader narrative and then you you managed to kind of piece it together like you say and have each song lead onto the next one or at what point did that kind of through line emerge for you during the process uh there's probably about 25 30 ideas going yeah. about and then we just fine-tune it down to 10 there's still others kicking about that um we like but they just didn't feel right to even release so we might use them in the future um, that we're, we're working on just now, but um, there's nothing like 100% start to finish songs. There's just maybe wee ideas and de- you know bits of demos lying about um, that we've, we've, we've kept. How is it for you at the moment then, like mindset-wise, not being in touring mode and kind of being back in writing mode? Are, you, are those quite different sides of you when you're on the road and when you're in the studio kind of working away at stuff every day like you are at the moment? I think the big thing you notice that is um, as tough as... You learn the band is a living, breathing thing, and the only way it lives and breathes is to be, you know, unfortunately, in, in the landscape of social media and um, everything that comes with it, you have to, it's the only way that it lives and breathes, really. I mean, I don't think MD really wants to see us post in the studio every day of just us recording or eating, that, chocolate. eating chocolate. Yeah, so I think that the, the big thing is when you're on tour. Um, it's amazing for social media because you're 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 posting what you're doing. You're live. You're in different cities. Um, you're also performing in front of all these new people, um, and you're you're building fan base and um, you're speaking to people face to face, and you're getting to you know hear feedback from what they what people think about the album and what how much they love it and 
Um, as I said, you're visiting new places and new people. It, it's really an amazing thing. And then you come straight back to the studio. It's kind of like, oh, it's a, it's a total different environment. I mean, I personally like being in the studio. I mean, I, I love being out touring and, you know, we, we, we'll love to be there right now. I think that the things you definitely miss from that, um, the things I don't miss from being in the, the studio is the social media side of it. I, I really don't like it. Um, I don't like all the posting here, there and everything. I understand it's part of the job, but I just think it's it's not what it's all about. You, I think I, I read a, I heard an interview with John Bellion um, and he said there's artists and there's entertainers and I think you need to realise what you are and like he's not, when his album's in cycle, he's on social media and doing his thing, but when it's not, he's off it. And it's like, mm. I don't want to be known as an entertainer. I want to be known as an artist and music's the fundamental thing. And I kind of feel the same way about that. I mean, my manager will hate me saying that because he's gone, you need to be funny and have laughs and be on social media and doing all that stuff. And that's fine, we, we like doing that, but only when the time's right, I don't want to be forcing it every two minutes and, um, become you know a performer. Um, yeah. We're here. We're here to make music, and then when the time's right, you know we meet people and we can we can do stuff that make people laugh and feel good. Um, but you know, not all the time. We don't want to force it. I think it's different for a band like yourselves who are kind of on this upward trajectory at the minute. And like if you look like we were speaking about last year, the way it's kind of going on an ascent like that, and this year would have been the same. It, does social media play a different role when you're in that position? Yeah, I think that's that's a big a big player on it is definitely the you know the current situation um, worldwide. I said last this year was going to be unbelievable as well. We had so much stuff planned, America and Europe and everywhere, and then obviously that's sort of been put in pause. Um, but you know, you still look at it and go, listen, we're in a really good position, and we've got to be grateful for where we are. Yeah. There's a lot of people out there losing their jobs. There's a lot of people out there, dying, you know, man. dying and Jeez. and having you know, having problems. You know, we we the that's one of the first things we says. I mean, we're you know we're not complaining about anything. It's just the way it is, and we will take this yeah. time to to build. And um, when hopefully everything's okay, then we we've got we've got something there to to move on and and what, as I said, create something that gives people escapism and something that, that can take their mind off, sorry, all the, the bad stuff happening in the world. Does the time kind of give you an opportunity to reflect as well and kind of gain a little bit of clarity? Like it seems that from what you're saying that, that you seem to have a very kind of good understanding at the moment of the last kind of few years and you've kind of been reflecting on it maybe a wee bit or... Yeah, I, we had John the guitarist, John who, who, who our guitarist was, was out today and we're just um, sitting reminiscing for the whole time about... Mm-hmm last year and a prime example is you when you're in a tour bus or you're in a like we had the luxury of doing a, a full summer tour with Youngboy on his tour bus unbelievable yeah then we did the tour with Lewis Copardi for for five weeks in a minivan four yeah. of us it was a car base it was a fucking Vauxhall <laughs> Safira you fall out you yeah. shout um with people you get angry and your emotions run high. Yeah. Then you make up and your best mates. And then a year later you talk about it and go, Do you know what man? That was the best time of my life. That was unbelievable. Yeah. And then you you self reflect and realise, Man, see next time I'm not gonna I'm not gonna moan. 
that there's no gluten-free beer on the rider. <laughs> because you're crying over spill milk. I mean, obviously you'd made music for a lot of years together. How is this band kind of accelerating and starting to take off most affected your dynamic as brothers? I mean, it's still the same. I think, you know, nothing really changes. We It's like we're, we've always been in each other's lives from being kids, being, you know, we used to work with my dad. We were doing the same job. We play football together. Um, you know, everything's sort of done. Uh, is that so? That just comes part and parcel. We've just got a good relationship, and that's you know the foundation of the band. Um, so it's not really changed. That's a, I think that's a constant that kind of shines through the music throughout. And if you kind of have that thing at your core, yeah, like what we were saying earlier about kind of staying true to yourself. Don't get me wrong; he's an absolute cock, but you know, <laughs> it's good. It's against balance. It, he's there to pick you up. I'm there to pick him up, and he's there to fucking boot you in the balls and say. Don't do that, you look a fanny. And I'm the same. It's all about keeping people in... Exactly. I said, don't do it. Shave it off. He's a nut. Listen, we did an Instagram poll today, and I, this is winning. The yeses are winning. He looks at El Chapo. <laughs> He's got a bit of a Raw Barnes vibe going on. Oh, he has a Raw Barnes. Bro, miss that guy, man. Spicy little taco. <laughs> Tacos, have you guys man. been coping without tacos? I don't want to talk about it, man. Oh. I tried tacos last night. I'm not even joking. I made tacos myself. That's tacos probably one of the big. That's 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 all we. Re- when I said that John was out today, I phoned Rory maybe two weeks ago, um, and that was all we talked about: food, the amazing food that yeah. we've we've managed to to eat in Europe and America was just unbelievable. The places unbelievable. we went, we could take. Like, for instance, if you ever go to Kansas City, Missouri. There's a place called Joe's Barbecue. It's actually in a petrol station, right? It is the best food you'll ever taste in your life. I'm not joking. It's the yeah. best, best thing you yeah. best barbecue, best thing you ever taste. It's unbelievable. Is that just like street food? No, it's it's barbecue. It's bar- it is barbecue. It's, it's, a, it's barbecue. So you get ribs, burgers, hot dogs, chicken, uh, macaroni, cheese, potato salad. Oh. oh. Next level. Beautiful. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. What's your final meal? What do you go for if you're getting sent to the chair? What's your final three Well, if I'm going to the chair, it's, I've got celiac disease, so I need to be gluten-free. So if I'm going to the chair, you can fuck off with your gluten-free stuff, man. I'm going all in. Can you go? You can get anything, Kit. You can get as much as you want. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. Right, here's what I would get. Two rolling sausage with black pudding, brown sauce. I'd also have a... Doner kebab, I would have a paisano pizza, I would have... You need all that. You need, a, you need, you need, you need, I'd have a bit of an... No, we didn't get one bite each. I'd have, I'd have a paisano pizza, yeah, I would have surf and turf, lobster and steak, a filet mignon with yeah, lobster and nice chips. I would have fuzzies tacos, I would have a shake shack, Terrible. and then I would have... Terrible choice. Are they all terrible choices? No, they're not. That's the terrible. things I can't. He, that's the things you can have, and I can't have it. So I don't care about. You no, c- when you're on the chair, you get electrocuted. You want to make sure your body's in that. What are you going to have? Ham sandwich. <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's what you're dealing with. <laughs> well, uh, we used to say a sausage roll, chips and beans. <laughs> we actually the, the old ba- the old band we were in. Oh. Barry the guitarist one of my best friends 
We used to top it. What would you like to eat, man? Anything in the world. Yeah. Sausage, chips, and beans, man. Sausage roll, chips, All right. and beans. No yeah. bother, man. Whatever, whatever floats your boat. Nah. Do you know? What I mean? Don't tell Gordon Ramsay that. <laughs> anyway, um, that's what I would have. I would have a, a, a ham sandwich. So. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. There you go. I'm going to die anyway. Didn't matter. Yeah. Last meal. I'm going to taste it. Good probably. question, though. Shit myself. being a little extra can be a bit much but when it comes to healthcare it pays to be extra and united healthcare makes it easy with health protector guard fixed indemnity insurance plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company they supplement your primary plan helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods so when it comes to covering your medical bills you can feel good about being a little extra visit uh1.com to find the health protector guard plan for you Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.